another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing welcome to another episode of and another thing the podcast that continues to set records around the world and then as we always do we break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. And my name is Tony Clement. And right off the top, I want to give a shout out to one of our most loyal listeners from my perspective, because Tony, you might have some different names, but Mike Stiff, who is a longtime listener to the program. I, I don't believe he's missed a show. In fact, when we get to episode 100, uh, maybe we should have him as a guest. Just, it's come, just it's throwing that up. out there. Yeah, I <laughs> but, know. Uh, we appreciate Mike's feedback and uh, his comments on the program. And uh, yeah, we uh, we appreciate support like Mike's and of course yours as well because we get messages all the time and this show wouldn't continue to run without your support and it wouldn't continue to run without the constant support of the team at Municipal Solutions, of course, our presenting sponsor. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. John Mutton and the crew there doing an excellent job. And Tony, I know you're in a position to share a little bit more about what Municipal Solutions does. Indeed I am, Jody, and I do want to thank John. But before I do that, I want to thank Briar Summers, who composed and recorded our brand new opening theme song. Yes. We are hearing for the first time, and Briar is a local Muskokan. I've known her for a few years, and she's starting her uh, musical career, which is wonderful. And you can find out more about Briar Summers from Briar Summers, that's B R I A R Summers.com. And she's got a new album coming out called From the Ashes. It's out on October 8th. So that's a little shout out to Briar Summers for the little bit of work she did for us with our opening theme song. We're really going high end here at And Another Thing podcast, obviously. And it's all possible because of Municipal Solutions, because they have development services and project management skills, development approvals, permit expediting, planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services, minor variances and land severances, and, of course, building permits. For all of your Municipal Solutions needs, visit municipalsolutions.ca. And don't forget to find us on loonypolitics.com, exclusive content week in and week out, including podcasts that you won't hear anywhere else. Plus, during the federal election, Tony and I doing a weekly recap for loonypolitics.com and we are receiving a ton of feedback about that as well and we'll have a new one uh, at the end of this week yes we will it'll be week three absolutely so we're excited about that and yeah that's all i got right now (laughs) and i guess we can get to our guest unless you want to throw something in no no i just want to give one one shout out i can do it right now or at the end of the program but i had a great time at a great uh, live uh, concert uh, outdoors with uh, the great Canadian band, The Trues, from Atlantic Canada. They, they did a great job, and they uh, I got to meet them backstage afterwards. It was a lo- load of fun. So shout out to The Trues. Support Canadian music, folks. 
And I, I know off the top, before we came on air, Tony, you asked if I was doing okay, and I just said I was getting sick of politics. And I was not I was thinking about not saying something, but I feel like i got to get this off my chest. I, I am absolutely pissed at the Ontario PC party. And okay. I know we had David Pacini, who's a friend of mine on our program, but I sent him a text the other day based on some of their decisions. I said, buddy, you're a friend of mine, but I, I, I can't support support you guys at all moving forward until things change. I'm just so disgusted with that party. But this is uh, the vaccine passport issue. It's that and much more. I I mentioned before, I'm just, I'm just unhappy with the way they treat people. And I I just, I'm just sick of it. I'm done. 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 I tell you. Yeah. uh, You can tell, man. Oh man. Oh, you're getting it off your chest. At least that's good. That's good for good therapy. Podcasts can be good therapy. Anyway, do you know that the chances of Lecce coming back on the show, they are, I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with hero. That's the chance. <laughs> that's, right. so. <laughs> that's right. I think Stephen is uh, no longer uh, one of our guests. We should uh, do uh, uh, condolences to the family of Pierre Bork as well. He's a former guest of ours on and another thing podcast. He passed away suddenly uh, over the weekend. So we extend our condolences to Pierre's uh, family. So, that, that, I think, is all of the business that we had to do, except, of course, we've got an amazing guest. His name is Laurie Hahn. He is a retired lieutenant colonel of the Royal Canadian Air Force. He's a former member of Parliament for Edmonton Centre from 2006 to 2015. Obviously, he was a colleague of mine, and Laurie and I got along very, very well, and we did a lot of work together. He was Parliamentary Secretary for the Minister of Defence, from 2007 to 2011, and of course, the topic today has got to be about the situation in Afghanistan, which I know a number of us find very disturbing. I'm calling him uh, on my phone. Uh, fr- he is in Edmonton. So, Lori Hahn, thank you for joining our program. Hi, Tony. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Lori, uh, you know, uh, obviously, the reason why we wanted you on the program was because of your insights uh, you know, because as a former uh, officer in uh, our armed services, you have, uh, I, I guess, a, a sense of things more than just reading uh, what's online or, or seeing news reports or what have you. So I, 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 let me start with this question. What were your thir- first thoughts when this Afghanistan withdrawal turned into the chaos and the tragedy that it clearly has become? Well, uh, heartbreak, uh, a big one for the, for the people there. And, and I, I met a bunch of them there in my seven, uh, seven visits to the troops over there. And, you know, frankly, disgust at the lack of anticipation. Uh, I mean, Tony, you and I were part of it at the same time, and, and the Taliban had a, have a saying. They said, you have the watches, we have the time. So it was only a matter of time. And they're infinitely patient. They'll take as long as it takes to, to get done what they want to get done. So the fact that we were caught flat-footed, and we weren't alone, others were too, but we were caught flat-footed when we should have known something like this was going to happen. We should have been prepared for the eventuality, and we should have had the folks uh, sort of programmed to, to come out or to, to get them out and so on. Uh, but, frankly, we were just got, uh, distracted by the election, which was needless, but this, this isn't a political situation, but that's a big factor. We were just not concentrating on, on the task at hand. And when we closed the embassy and basically abandoned those folks, so we've, we've got a, about 3,500 or so, I guess, but there's thousands more. And then we set up a process where they have to go online, fill out a form, 
uh, include some uh, some photocopied or scanned uh, documents and so on. And the vast majority of those folks don't have access to anything like that. So it was just it was an absurd process that was doomed to fail. And you know, disappointment and disgust at our lack of preparedness, lack of professionalism, and heartbreak for the for the folks that that were trusting us and were relying on us. And I don't know whether you saw Ron Ambrose's uh, uh, thing she did uh, the other day on Facebook, but Google her and, and and have a look at it. It's 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 heartbreaking. She was very very emotional, uh, appropriately so. So you know, I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, we we saved a bunch of people, but we've abandoned a whole bunch more, and I'm just disgusted. What uh, just to give us a little bit more? Uh, you were there seven times. I was uh, I was there once uh, in Kandahar um, around Remembrance Day, actually, with a lot of the next of kin who uh, who flew over to uh, to be close to the comrades of their lost, you know, family members. Uh, which was very, very emotional, as you can expect. What What were your some of your recollections from your Af- Afghanistan missions? Well, I was there five Christmases in a row, and then and then a couple of other times with with committee and so on. And my recollection was that you know we we did make a difference. You know whether it was going to last or not, eventually the Afghans had to do that for themselves. But we made a huge difference in the lives of, of Afghan women and children, particularly to get women into business, women into parliament. I met a number of their parliamentarians, female parliamentarians there and and back in Canada, and the kids. You know, getting the kids to school because all they want to do is go to school. They want putting their hands up for candy and stuff like that. They're putting it out for, for pens and, and paper and, and so on. And, and I have one little vignette. Uh, on Christmas Eve 2006 at 10.30 at night, I was standing at one of our forward operating bases called Massengar with uh, Rick Hillier, uh, John Baird, and Jay Hill, with a coffee and a cigar, looking out over the countryside. It was miserable. It was dark. There was no lights anywhere. There was artillery fire in the distance. There were 500-pound bombs going off in the distance. And we said, yeah, you know, this is real. And then a year to the minute later, Christmas Eve, 2007, 10.30, Mass and Gar, Cock and Cigar, looking over exactly the same landscape with Pierre McKay and Rick Hillier. And it was like a scene from the Canadian Paris. The lights were, you could see all the villages in the distance. The lights were on. It was quiet. And I said, don't tell me we didn't make a difference. We made a huge difference. The challenge, of course, was, you know, unless we got the Afghans right or got them on the right track, it was not going to last because, like I said, the Taliban have all the time in the world. And, of course, they had support from Pakistan and uh, other international international yeah. meddlers, you know. So uh, even if you had secured Afghanistan, there was always all these uh, other actors in the margins who were ready to, to upset the apple cart again. Yeah. Well, the, the biggest problem in Afghanistan has always been Pakistan. And the Americans are in a tough situation. I mean, they rely on Pakistan for some real politics things in that area. So they send them a lot of money. But a lot of that money goes to support the Taliban. Right. I mean, they, they train the Taliban. They harbor the Taliban. They harbor al-Qaeda. Uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, still continuing to be the, the biggest problem is is the other actors. And one of the things, Tony, we always seem to try to do, and you may recall this from sort of parliament of the attitude around there, is, you know, we've got to make Afghanistan like Canada. And it's never going to be like Canada. You know, that was, you know, anybody who thought that, you know, was, was, was dreaming. We couldn't make them like Canada. We just needed to make them the best Afghanistan they could possibly be with some semblance of human rights, some semblance of democracy. Never going to be like Canada. And, and we were getting them there. 
but as you, I'm sure you know, I mean, there's just a ton of corruption in a place like that. Right. Uh, and from, from top to bottom, and it was, you know, and, and unless they got a grip on the corruption, you know, that's that's another sort of nail in the coffin. It was just wasn't going to fix or get fixed. Yeah, no, I know, and you, you raise a good point because, uh, you know, uh, uh, for a lot of the time that we were there, Hamid Karzai was the pres- president of the country, but his brother or brother-in-law was a, you know, a multi-bazillionaire, so I wonder how that happened. So uh, all of this stuff defeats the purpose of, of all of the hard work that was being yeah. done. Um, well, I met, go, sorry, I met Hamid, Hamid Karzai once. I met his, his half-brother, Ahmed Wali Karzai, a number of times. And he wasn't the governor of Kandahar, but he ran Kandahar. Right. And there was no doubt about it. Uh, he was a, a, an evil person. Now, his own people eventually killed him. So that's, I guess, good news. Yeah. Listen, um, obviously, we're talking about the end of mission. No, no one, I, and I'm sure you're the same, you're not saying be in Afghanistan forever. No one no one no. is suggesting that. It's, it's how the end of mission happened and how yeah. we've in a sense, been dishonorable to the people we made promises to, and not just Canadians making promises, but uh, the Americans, of course. And, of course, the the backdrop of this is the very moment that this was happening, Trudeau calls the election. And and I want you to talk about leadership, because we saw Harper, uh, Stephen Harper, exercise leadership in these situations, evacuation in Lebanon comes to mind, etc. But uh, I think Trudeau is really missing in action on this. You know, Trudeau's missing in actions on, on so many things. He's focused on only one thing, and that's his precious majority, which, by the way, isn't going all that well at the moment, which is which is good news. Uh, but, no, he, he completely has no focus, and, you know, you and I know him, you know, a little bit, and he is a completely unfocused person who has very, very little to offer. I mean, I didn't like what his dad did, but his dad had serious qualities of charisma, intellect, and, so, and leadership. I didn't like what he did with him. But Justin has none of those. He is, frankly, a vacuous, empty shell. And, uh, you know, I don't blame him so much. I blame Canadians for, for electing him. But uh, we'll see what happens on September 20th. But, but no, he's, he was missing in action. And when the leader is missing in action, the rest of us are too. And, and you know, Stephen Harper, probably grossly more of the smartest guy I've ever met. Doesn't mean we agreed all the time. And you know that. Uh, but he would take action. And he was not afraid to take action. And he knew it. You know, he's the most knowledgeable guy on, on these kind of things that, that I've ever met. And uh, I just wish to God that we had him uh, back in the back in the chair now. Indeed. Hey, uh, just talk a little bit more about the helpers uh, in Afghanistan and uh, the, the threat to them, uh, because, you, you know, uh, there, there were people who were our guides, people who were our translators. Just g- give a sense of who these people were for our audience. Well, they were they were basically ordinary Afghans who obviously could speak English, which was which was important. And they were, you know, when our folks were out in the villages and so on, they were indispensable uh, because not only could they translate, uh, you know, the language, but they could also translate the culture and make sure that our guys understood, you know, the culture because the culture from village to village wasn't necessarily the same. You know, it depend depend who the head uh, head guy was in the in the village. There was never head gal; it was always head guys. And so they were absolutely indispensable. And, you know, now, obviously, they're, they're under severe threat. And it's not just them. It's their families. It's anybody that's associated with them. And they will be they will be murdered. There's absolutely no question. The Taliban's making nice noises about, you know, this or that. But they've never kept the word on, on anything. And we shouldn't expect them to now. So these are these are people that, that helped our folks at considerable risk at the time. And they put their trust in us because I know we told them, look at when things go wrong, we'll get you out. 
and and we're not. And there's three, well, there's a whole bunch of veterans who are working hard to raise money to get them out one way or another. Uh, General David Fraser, Dennis Thompson, Dean Milner, all major generals who are friends of mine, are, are working at a guy named Tim Layler with the Veterans uh, Transition Network is working at. And, and people Google Veterans Transition Network, they can contribute to that. And that would be really, really helpful because these are just ordinary folks. You know, there are people that, that would, would make great Canadians because they, they were dedicated to our mission over there. They're dedicated to Afghanistan for certain, but they, they recognized that, that we were their only hope. And they put everything on the line for us, and we need to put everything on the line for them. Yeah, and I'll, I've got the uh, the uh, URL for Veterans Transition Network. I'm going to give that at yeah. the end of the program. Don't worry about that. Um, just want to, Lori, obviously the, the situation, which is a crazy situation to begin with, is even crazier because of the threat of ISIS. Obviously, uh, 13 uh, service men and women died uh, who are American. So, uh, tell us about those dynamics. Uh, so it's not just the Taliban, it's also ISIS. No, no. And, and Taliban and, and ISIS are basically sworn enemies. Now, they cooperate because their common enemy is us. Uh, but between the two of them, they are sworn enemies. The Taliban are, are horrible nationalists, according to ISIS, because they're concentrating on Afghanistan, whereas ISIS wants the global caliphate. And those two things are not necessarily compatible. And, and ISIS-K, uh, ISIS-Khorasan, uh, was responsible for that that bombing that killed you know, 169 civilians and 13 American uh, servicemen, and you know they they are sworn enemies, but they also will cooperate to do bad things to us. So it's extremely complicated, and it's really tough to know you know who you're talking to, who's who's my friend and who's who's my enemy. You know the the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but but none, none of those guys are friends. But there's so much complexity in that whole world of uh, Shiites and Sunnis and all the other offshoots of that, that it's really hard to keep score. And man, when you get involved with that, you better have people that understand it and can tell you which way to go and who to listen to and who not. And, and that's really tough. Now, uh, obviously, uh, as we speak, uh, the U.S. is out. Uh, they have vacated Kabul, the airport, uh, for the first time in 20 years. The, the mission in Afghanistan is over. Um, any thoughts about how Biden has handled this? Well, you know, I'm not a Biden fan, and, and I don't think he's handled it very well. But, I mean, to be fair, you know, nobody nobody's coming out smelling like roses because I think everybody didn't understand that how quickly this this was going to happen so i don't think anybody was particularly prepared i think a big mistake the americans made was closing background uh airbase yeah that was that was a major center that you know when Kabul turned to, to puppy poo you know they could have turned to background and done operations out of there which would have been a lot more secure a lot easier to uh to get people in and out of uh but they well they were in, hurry, in a hurry to leave and uh, and that showed just like us being in a hurry to leave and closing the embassy before we before we should. So Biden made lots and lots of mistakes, and uh, you know we, the West, and, and the people that counted on us, you know, are going to are going to pay a price for for a long time. Now there seems to be, uh, and then I'll turn it over to Jody in case he wants to say something. But uh, there seems to be some kind of rallying opposition to the Taliban in the uh, Panjshir Valley going on. Um, should Canada be supporting that in some way, do you think? Uh, 
I think the short answer is yes, and that's a qualified yes because we don't know exactly, at least I don't know exactly who those who those people are. I mean, the Northern Alliance was was you know very helpful when we took down the Taliban in uh, you know 2001 or so, uh, and these are probably some of the same folks. Uh, I'm not on their mailing list, but uh, you know we need to support anybody that will further the cause of more freedom and more democracy and, and more human rights for Afghanistan. And again, it'll never, ever be like Canada, but it needs to be better than it's going to be under the Taliban. So anybody that can help with that, we should support one way or the other. Jody, you're, you're near Trenton, obviously, uh, where, where you live. Uh, you must have some strong feelings about this. Anything you want to say? Oh, there's lots I want to say. I just don't know if I, if I'm in the mood to do it right now, given, given the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Given the level of seething anger that's going through me right now, it's probably best if I bite my tongue, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, you, you see, you see what's gone on and, uh, it's almost like a breach of trust to people who, and we invested so much time and money and effort into it. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's every day, especially in our area, um, you know, so close to our military men and women and those that have served in the past as well. Uh, not only active ones, but again, those who have served in the past as well. And, and you can just, you know, the conversation comes up and you could just, it, it is a, it's a sense of frustration. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a disappointment that comes on their face. And even, uh, I have some, uh, American friends. I have a good friend of mine, Troy Teal, who was uh, a former, uh, Marine. And he, he posted something the other day, like he was over there, he served. Uh, and you could tell the emotion that was coming out in his post. He literally just said, you know, what a complete waste, like what a way to waste everything we did. And it, it's no doubt it's, it's frustrating for them and, and how they navigate those emotions and feelings. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes for sure. Well, the, the, I mean, our own guys, and I know quite a lot of guys that served over there, particularly the families of 158 folks that we lost. I mean, they're just shaking their heads saying, was it, was it worth it? You know, what was it, what was it all about? And, uh, I mean, they're dealing with a lot of pretty raw emotions right, right now. And I know that some of them are seeking, uh, are seeking some help as, uh, which is natural. But the thing I would say to them is, you know what, it seems like it was all for naught now, but, you know, we did give Afghanistan and Afghan, uh, Afghans something to hope for. And we did make progress there. We made a huge difference to the country, and it was because of the sacrifice of, of the men and women in uniform. I couldn't be prouder of those folks. Uh, seeing them in action overseas in Afghanistan, and knowing a bunch of the personally, and knowing a bunch of the of the survivors of the folks we lost over there, they're a pretty resilient bunch. I mean, they're hurting right now, uh, but they should they should be damn proud of what they did or the, what the folks over there that we lost did, because you know that will go down in, in, in history, maybe a tiny footnote in history. But we we did we did ourselves proud. Uh, we didn't get the job done, but we were a relatively smart, small part of that whole thing. But we can be damn proud of, of what we did over there, and, and thankful for our men and women in uniform and their families. Lori, do you do you ever worry that uh, because of how this ended, not not, and you're quite right to talk about some of the things that were accomplished along the way, but how it ended. Um, it's got to be in the future a lot tougher to make the case for Canada to be involved in international expedition, right? It, it definitely will be. And, and 
you know, you've got to know what you're getting into before you get into it. And arguably, we didn't necessarily, uh, you know, have have the full picture because we were keen, you know, we were keen to get called, we were keen to do the right thing, and that's that's admirable. But you better understand if you're going to start a game, you better have a decent idea about how you expect the game to end and, and how you're going to get from start point to, to end point. Uh, and, and I don't think we did that necessarily. I don't think anybody in the West did that because, again, we've got the watches, they got the time, and they have infinite patience, uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're the scum of the earth, to put it mildly. I got to, um, uh, Larry, th- this has been amazing. Thanks for spending some time. First first of all, uh, how are things in Edmonton these days? Good, good. You know, we're uh, campaigning hard for uh, James Cumming, who's our, our local MP. He replaced uh, me uh, in uh, 2019, and we really, really want to keep him there. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting election. The uh, You know, the, the threat in our writing actually is as much from the NDP as it is from the, from the Liberals, which hmm. is going to surprise a few people. Right. But uh, you know we're working our asses off, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get there. And, and you know, looking at the national picture, uh, you know, Justin can't be too terribly happy with with what's been happening. They've been stubbing it from from time to time, and uh, we just need to keep the pressure on. And, and Aaron is resonating a lot more with people now, and that and that's good. He's been very very calm. You know, he hasn't been goaded by the by the media. You know, they ask some pretty you know the questions that you and I are used to, and but he doesn't get. He doesn't get excited. He doesn't get flustered. He just says, "No, here's my policy. Here's what we're going to do," and and we need we need more of that because you know nobody will ever accuse you know I, I used to say nobody ever accused Stephen Harper of, of being overly flashy, but nobody should ever accuse Justin Trudeau of having any substance. And I'll take substance over flash anytime. And hopefully Canadians will feel the same way on, on September twentieth. Well, I, I've got to add uh, the the three minute video that Aaron O'Toole did about. Uh, his uh, his statement on Afghanistan was uh, statesmanlike, was uh, calm, and he actually he 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 obviously had some criticism for the way things had rolled out. But he said, "Here here are three things that can be done right now that will uh, that will be helpful." One, two, three. So he had actually a positive message as well. And I thought it was the most statesmanlike thing that has been said by any Canadian politician on Afghanistan. It, it is absolutely, and it, it reflects Darren's uh, you know history in the, in the, as as a military officer and so on. So, yeah, he's he's saying and doing a lot of the right a lot of the right things. We just need Canadians to, to pay attention to that. Well, uh, and we also want them to pay attention to maybe helping if if they ha- if they feel comfortable and they have the means uh, to help our Afghan brothers and sisters who are stuck there uh, through the Veterans Transition Network. That's the that's the one that I know about. I I've contributed uh, myself to the VTN, and you can visit them at vtncanada.org. What they're doing right now is they are providing safe houses for Afghan helpers, translators, what, what have you, uh, to, to hide, basically go dark and hide them until they can find a way to get them out. And this costs $20,000 a day. That's how much their, that's their burn rate right now to create this network of safe houses for these Afghans that have helped Canadians in the past. And uh, so any contribution uh, can be done through vtncanada.org, and I would commend that. So, Lori, thank you for all, thank you for your service in Canada's Parliament and in our Canadian services, and thanks for adding your point of view on this very important issue. Well, thanks, Tony and, and Jody. Uh, I can't say it's fun talking about something so terrible, but it's important that we get the word out. So, thanks so much for the opportunity. 
excellent discussion with an individual, obviously, who has uh, reams of experience and knowledge on the issue and definitely uh, some unique perspective. Uh, so that was good. Very good show. Well, yeah, and I know it's uh, maybe a little bit uh, more serious than some of our other offerings, but it is a serious topic, and uh, a lot of Canadians are worried about it and are talking about it. And uh, I wanted to, you know, as you did, Jody, have a show where, you know, we, we got a perspective on this because it's, it's just so important. And I was talking to a good friend of mine, Jeff Watson, who you know as well. Um, guest. And I told him that Lori was coming on, and I can't remember if he said what he said. But so, correct me if I'm wrong. Was he? Were they seed mates at one time? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, they were. Okay, good. That's what I thought. I yeah. wanted to get that in there, but oh well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, definitely they. They knew one another very well, and Lori was. He was looked up to because uh, he had that RCAF. I think he was like the first Canadian who flew a CF-18 or something like that. Uh, don't, oh, don't yeah, because yeah, he was a pilot, right? Yeah. yeah, he was a pilot. He was a fighter pilot. So, yeah. uh, no, he's got, as you said, reams of experience on this stuff and, and a great perspective. So certainly our honor to have him on the program. All right. Well, we thank Municipal Solutions again for their presenting sponsorship and their support. And, of course, loonypolitics.com. You can find out uh, tons or find lots of extra exclusive content there. And to get an annual subscription, simply use the pod, the word podcast and you'll get 50% off that annual subscription. And we would encourage you to do that. And thanks again to Briar for our new intro music. Yay. And... I know that, Tony, you're speaking of music. You're just excited. You're like a, a little kid, eh, going out and seeing all these musicians. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Like, I, I, it was great. It was great yeah, just yeah. To, to be in a crowd again. It's, you know, it was with all the right protocols, blah, 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 blah. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like the right protocols in that picture with the trues. You guys were, like, on top <laughs> of each other with no masks. So. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway. no, it, it was it was great, to, and uh, you know, just people, you know, music is is so important to us as humans. So uh, I I've said that before, and uh, it's just great to have some form of live music scene happening again. Yeah. All right, Tony. We will do this again in seven days. See you then.